Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Abiding in Him podcast. This is Christina, and I'm so glad you're back here again with me today. My prayer for us all as we're walking through the Bible this year together is that we will just come as we are every day if we can, if not, whatever days you can, and that you will just lay everything down at the foot of the cross and sit at Jesus' feet and really pay attention to what he has to say to you through the Bible reading each day. That's my prayer for you, and that's also my prayer for myself. So let's get into it. Second Chronicles chapter 21 Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His son Jehoram became king in his place. He had brothers, sons of Jehoshaphat. Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Azariah, Michael, and Shephatiah. All these were the sons of King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Their father had given them many gifts of silver, gold, and valuable things, along with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. When Jehoram had established himself over his father's kingdom, he strengthened his position by killing with the sword all his brothers as well as some of the princes of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done, for Ahab's daughter was his wife. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but for the sake of the covenant the Lord had made with David. He was unwilling to destroy the house of David, since the Lord had promised to give a lamp to David and his sons forever. During Jehoram's reign, Edom rebelled against Judah's control and appointed their own king. So Jehoram crossed into Edom with his commanders and all his chariots. Then at night he set out to attack the Edomites who had surrounded him and the chariot commanders. And now Edom is still in rebellion against Judah's control today. Libna also rebelled at that time against his control because he had abandoned the Lord, the God of his ancestors. Jehoram also built high places in the hills of Judah, and he caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves, and he led Judah astray. Then a letter came to Jehoram from the prophet Elijah, saying, And this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says, Because you have not walked in the ways of your father Jehoshaphat, or in the ways of King Asa of Judah, but have walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, have caused Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves like the house of Ahab prostituted itself, and also have killed your brothers, your father's family, who were better than you. The Lord is now about to strike your people, your sons, your wives, and all your possessions with a horrible affliction." You yourself will be struck with many illnesses, including a disease of the intestines, until your intestines come out day after day because of the disease. Ugh. The Lord roused the spirit of the Philistines and the Arabs who lived near the Cushites to attack Jehoram. So they went to war against Judah and invaded it. They carried off all the possessions found in the king's palace and also his sons and wives. Not a son was left to him except Jehoiahaz, his youngest son. After all these things, the Lord afflicted him and his intestines with an incurable disease. This continued day after day until two full years passed. Then his intestines came out because of his disease, and he died from severe illnesses. 
<laughs> so gross. But his people did not hold a fire in his honor like the fire in honor of his fathers. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king. He reigned eight years in Jerusalem. He died to no one's regret and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. Wow. Talk about disrespect. I wonder why, why that is. Because even other evil kings got some kind of acknowledgement when they died. That's, ooh. Okay. Second Chronicles chapter 22. Then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his place, because the troops that had come with the Arabs to the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, became king of Judah. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, granddaughter of Om Omri. He walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother gave him evil advice. So he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, like the house of Ahab, for they were his advisors after the death of his father, to his destruction. He also followed their advice and went with Joram, son of Israel's king Ahab, to fight against King Haziel of Aram <clears throat> sorry, in Ramoth-Gilead. The Aramaeans wounded Joram, so he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds they inflicted on him in Ramoth-Gilead when he fought against King Haziel of Aram. Then Judah's king Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, went down to Jezreel to visit Joram, son of Ahab, since Joram was ill. That's so many people. Ahaziah's downfall came from God when he went to Joram. When Ahaziah arrived, he went out with Joram to meet Jehu, son of Nimshi, who the Lord had anointed to destroy the house of Ahab. So when Jehu executed judgment on the house of Ahab, he found the rulers of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers who were serving Ahaziah, and he killed them. Then Jehu looked for Ahaziah, and Jehu's soldiers captured him. He was hiding in Samaria. So they brought Ahaziah to Jehu, and they killed him. The soldiers buried him, for they said, He is the grandson of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So no one from the house of Ahaziah had the strength to rule the kingdom. <coughs> when Athaliah, Ahaziah's mother, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to annihilate all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. Jehoshabeath, <laughs> the king's daughter, rescued Joash, son of Ahaziah, from the king's sons who were being killed and put him and the one who nursed him in a bedroom. Now, Jehoshabeath, was the daughter of King Jehoram and the wife of the priest Jehoiada. Since she was Ahaziah's sister, she hid Joash from Athaliah so that she did not kill him. While Athaliah reigned over the land, he was hiding with them in God's temple six years. <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 23 Then in the seventh year, Jehoiada summoned his courage and took the commanders of hundreds into a covenant with him. Azariah, son of Jehoram, Ishmael, son of Jehohanan, Azariah, son of Obed, Masiah, son of Adiah, and Elishaphat, son of Zikri. They made a circuit through, throughout Judah. They gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah and the family heads of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. 
Then the whole assembly made a covenant with the king in God's temple. Jehoiada said to them, here is, king, here is the king's son. He will reign just as the Lord promised concerning David's sons. This is what you are to do. A third of you, priests and Levites, who are coming on duty on the Sabbath, are to be gatekeepers. A third are to be at the king's palace, and a third are to be at the foundation gate. And all the troops will be in the courtyards of the Lord's temple. No one is to enter the Lord's temple but the priests and those Levites who serve. They may enter because they are holy, but all the people are to obey the requirement of the Lord. Completely surround the king with weapons in hand. Anyone who enters the temple is to be put to death. Be with the king in all his daily tasks. So the commanders of hundreds did everything the priest Jehoiada commanded. They each brought their men, those coming on duty on the Sabbath and those going off duty on the Sabbath, for the priest Jehoiada did not release the divisions. The priest Jehoiada gave to the commanders of the hundreds King David's spears, shields, and quivers that were in God's temple. Then he stationed all the troops with their weapons and hands surrounding the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side, by the altar and by the temple. They brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, gave him the testimony, and made him king. Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and cried, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard the noise from the troops, the guards, and those praising the king, she went to the troops in the Lord's temple. As she looked, there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance. The commanders and the trumpeters were by the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets, while the singers with musical instruments were leading the praise. Athaliah tore her clothes and screamed, Treason! Treason! Then the priest Jehoiada sent out the commanders of hundreds, those in charge of the army, saying, Take her out between the ranks and put anyone who follows her to death by the sword. For the priest had said, Don't put her to death in the Lord's temple. So they arrested her, and she went by the entrance of the horse gate to the king's palace, where they put her to death. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the king, and the people that they would be the Lord's people. So all the people went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They smashed its altars and images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, at the altars. Then Jehoiada put the oversight of the Lord's temple into the hands of the Levitical priests, whom David had appointed over the Lord's temple, to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, as it is written in the Law of Moses, with rejoicing and song ordained by David. He stationed gatekeepers at the gates of the Lord's temple, so that nothing unclean could enter for any reason. Then he took with him the commanders of hundreds, the nobles, the governors of the people, and all the people of the land, and brought the king down from the Lord's temple. They entered the king's palace through the upper gate and seated the king on the throne of the kingdom. All the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, for they had put Athaliah to death by the sword. Okay, this is the book of Obadiah. The Vision of Obadiah This is what the Lord God has said about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy has been sent among the nations. Rise up and let us go to war against her. Look, I will make you insignificant among the nations. You will be deeply despised. Your arrogant heart has deceived you. 
you who live in clefts of the rock, in your home on the heights, who say to yourself, Who can bring me down to the ground? Though you seem to soar like an eagle and make your nest among the stars, and even from there I will bring you down. This is the Lord's declaration. If thieves came to you, if marauders by night, how ravaged you would be. Wouldn't they steal only what they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, wouldn't they leave some grapes? How Esau will be pillaged, his hidden treasures searched out. Everyone who has a treaty with you will drive you to the border. Everyone at peace with you will deceive and conquer you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you. He will be unaware of it. In that day, this is the Lord's declaration. Will I not eliminate the wise ones of Edom and those who understand from the hill country of Esau? Timon, your warriors, will be terrified, so that everyone from the hill country of Esau will be destroyed by slaughter. You will be covered with shame and destroyed forever because of violence done to your brother Jacob. On the day you stood aloof, on the day strangers captured his wealth, while foreigners entered his city gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were just like one of them. Do not gloat over your brother in the day of his calamity. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction. Do not boastfully mock on the day of distress. Do not enter my people's city gate in the day of their disaster. Yes, you. Do not gloat over their misery in the day of their disaster, and do not appropriate their possessions in the day of their disaster. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off their fugitives, and do not hand over their survivors in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near against all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. What you deserve will return on your own head. As you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and gulp down and be as though they had never been. But there will be a deliverance on Mount Zion, and it will be holy. The house of Jacob will dispossess those who dispossessed them. Then the house of Jacob will be a blazing fire, and the house of Joseph a burning flame. But the house of Esau will be stubble. Jacob will set them on fire and consume Edom. Therefore no survivor will remain on the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. People from the Negev will possess the hill country of Esau. Those from the Judean foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will possess the territories of Ephraim and Samaria, while Benjamin will possess Gilead. The exiles of the Israelites who are in Hala and who are among the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, as well as the exiles of Jerusalem, who are in Sepharad, will possess the cities of the Negev. Saviors will ascend Mount Zion to rule over the hill country of Esau, but the kingdom will be the Lord's. Okay, so the devotional for today goes along with the book of Obadiah. It's called The Kingdom is the Lord's. My dad started prepping me for a career in politics at age five. It was the Reagan-Carter election year, and he quizzed me on the merits of each candidate while I snacked on graham crackers in the front seat of his blue sedan. He reminded me of the policies of our forefathers and refused to give me a pass on listening to talk radio. I took the bait, hook, line, and sinker, becoming a political analyst with aspirations to run for office at a young age. 
My first job after graduation was at a newspaper, was as a newspaper reporter. One day, the paper received an anonymous email from a reader. I love the style of your new reporter, it said. Please consider putting her on the political beat. Turns out that email was from my dad. His political dreams for me lived on, embarrassing as they were. With that kind of background, you can imagine how things ratchet up to a fever pitch for me during an election year. Every four years, I get swept up in the idea that some candidate or political party will fix what's wrong in our country. But the truth is, the world has yet to produce one political savior. This pattern is true for every nation in every era of history. Take a look at some biblical politics for proof. King Saul was initially a good king, who eventually turned his back on God and cost himself the throne in God's favor. 1 Samuel chapter 13. The people loved King David, but he had a massive moral failure and was forced to flee a rebellion led by his own son. 2 Samuel chapter 11. King Herod was so egotistical, he ordered his own people massacred. Matthew 2 verse 16. Every human leader in the history of the world has fallen short of their promises. It's not that politics don't matter. It's that, well, maybe they don't matter as much as we think they do. Obadiah is a short little book that prophesies the end of the nation of Edom. But the prophecy ends with the bottom line for all nations. Saviors will ascend Mount Zion to rule over the hill country of Esau, but the kingdom will be the Lord's. Here's a paraphrase for a politics-loving, all-American girl like myself. Candidates will come and go, but God and his kingdom will stand forever. In every era and election cycle, God is on his throne. Kings and congressmen will rise and fall, but God's power and influence will stand through eternity. The kingdom will be the Lord's. Psalms chapter 82 A plea for righteous judgment, a psalm of Asaph. God stands in the divine assembly. He pronounces judgment among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Provide justice for the needy and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and needy. Save them from the power of the wicked. They do not know or understand. They wander in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, You are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. However, you will die like humans and fall like any other ruler. Rise up, God. Judge the earth. For all the nations belong to you. Psalm chapter 83 Prayer Against Enemies A Song, A Psalm of Asaph God, do not keep silent. Do not be deaf, God. Do not be quiet. See how your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have acted arrogantly. They devise clever schemes against your people. They conspire against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation so that Israel's name will no longer be remembered. For they have conspired with one mind. They form an alliance against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebal, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyr, even Assyria has joined them. They lend support to the sons of Lot. Selah. Deal with them as you did with Midian, as you did with Sisera and Jabin at the Kishon River. 
They were destroyed at Endor. They became manure for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, and all their tribal leaders like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, Let us seize God's pastures for ourselves. Make them like tumbleweed, my God, like straw before the wind. As fire burns a forest, as a flame blazes through mountains, so pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Cover their faces with shame so that they will seek your name, Lord. Let them be put to shame and terrified forever. Let them perish in disgrace. May they know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over the whole earth.